Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Gramling. I'm Jenny Brundis. I'm Connor Orr. And so you listeners out there, it is Memorial Day if you are, as you should, listening to this the very first day the episode comes out. And uh, maybe you are with friends and family and loved ones at the beach. Maybe it's it's twilight and you have a bonfire going and you're all going to gather around the very same device that is playing this episode. And in honor of that, we are going to do an episode that's a little bit fun. It's a little bit enjoyable. Change of pace. We're going to do something you're going to like. Wow. I, I would imagine that uh, if um, if you're spending time with loved ones around a bonfire or at the beach and you have the Monday morning football podcast on, your idea of fun might be just slightly <laughs> skewed uh, from that of, of the general public. But either way, good for you, and thank you for uh, letting us spend some time with you. Well, it's supposed to be a rainy Memorial Day weekend, Ooh. so it's very possible people are listening to this while indoors or other activities. Very you true. Know what, 
the great thing about this podcast is it sounds great whether you're indoors or outdoors. I think that should be like a tagline ah, on our show. Does, doesn't matter. <laughs> the MMQB podcast. You can take us anywhere. <laughs> Gary, before we start, though, because for those who don't know, Gary has been recording in the exact same spot. Uh, so the only time that I've seen Gary for the last basically two years has been in this little window in his basement behind mm-hmm. what seems to be a very large stack of board games. Those are board games behind you. Yes. Yep. Uh, it, maybe that's a good weekend to pull those out. Finally, you know, it's, it seems to be rainy you'll have a lot of time off. Will you maybe be playing some board games? Uh, no, because, <laughs> <laughs> because you know why these are the board games that got discarded. It kind of, it, I don't know, it's a metaphor for my life working out of the basement at this point, but uh, uh, these are the board games that got discarded. They got downgraded from sort of the main closet in our house mm. when we got all like the kids' board games, the the sneaky, snacky squirrel and the uh, uh, the hi-ho, cherry-ho, uh, all, all, all the mm. great ones. Uh, so we moved. I don't even know what's back there anymore. Everyone always, uh, whenever I do like a, a Zoom call, everyone's like, ooh, you got board games. You got sorry. Categories. You got sorry. You have like a like an early '90s version of Monopoly. Um, I like Monopoly, so I can kind of tell by the box when that one came out. Um, Sorry's legendary in my house because I once threw the board at my sister when she beat me in a Sorry game when I was young. That is that's the beauty of Sorry is it just makes you hate each other. Yes. It is yes. the most competitive game. So Sorry was banned in our home for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I have four siblings. I, I three of them uh, are brothers, and we were all pretty competitive. But uh, uh, there's a big age range as well. Uh, my oldest brother is uh, is eight years older than me, and then then my little brother is three years younger than me. So when we play that four man game, and my like high school age brother would uh, would see my little brother pull out a sorry card, and he'd do the psychological game where it's like like oh you know remember remember like you know. 15 minutes ago when when gary knocked you out like why don't you knock him out oh. like that's uh that, that's what you got to do and and then i cry and then everyone yells and <laughs> at some point maybe you get to the end of the game that's sorry i'm so <laughs> glad that it's recognized as a vicious game this makes me feel slightly better mm-hmm. i mean it very much is nothing's better than monopoly because if you're winning you just get to slowly drain everybody's assets over the course of like three hours, and it's just a, uh, it's just delightful. I'm just saying that because I think I think this is going to be a big board game weekend. I'm just I'm really looking forward to it. I, I I just have high hopes for board games this weekend. That'd be nice. That'd be a nice change of pace here. Uh, what we are going to do is uh, probably only minimal board game talk for the rest of the show here. Though we'll see what happens. Uh, we are going to have this is unprecedented. A Monday show oracle coming up at the end. We're going to talk a little bit of uh, Julio Jones here, but we wanted to start this one off with uh, a little discussion of, I'm going to call these good, terrible ideas to improve football. And Connor had a column come out on Friday on SI.com. You can go read it, but uh, uh, I do just want to sum it up in one word, and that is doink points two words words. one term two (laughs) words although you know what maybe if it's popularized enough you combine it into one word Mm. Mm? that's the ticket well first we have to give proper credit to the actual name of doink points because that was that came from a um final weak side podcast mailbag edition that we did and 
that would be John from Amherst, Massachusetts. So, John, hopefully you, you followed directions on the final week side and you joined us here uh, because we uh, we stole your work and uh, we're repurposing it already. So there you go. Uh, but, yeah, Doink Points uh, was one was was a suggestion that John made that kind of got the wheels turning in my head because uh, <clears throat> elsewhere in sports right now, there's a lot of conversations about how homogenized a lot of um mostly baseball and basketball have become and it's interesting like baseball it's basically you know pop fly home run strikeout that's what you're getting right now because players have changed their launch angle everybody's learning to swing for home runs pitchers are learning to pitch away from home runs and we're kind of at this stalemate where you're having more no hitters lower scores all that kind of stuff in the nba once the warriors came out and started hitting three pointers or as uh Richard Thaler, the award-winning economist, said once NBA teams figured out that three-pointers were worth more than (laughs) two-pointers, you saw a lot of, uh, like, the heat map of shots change exceptionally. Every team basically only takes shots from two places in the NBA, you know? And so the thought was, now in the NFL, we're at this point where about 30% of the league is running the same offense. Um, I would say probably a little bit more than that is running the same defense, um, and so are we at risk of the same sort of, uh, you know, I don't know, cramming to the median of, uh, of football and the way to subvert that is to increase the different ways in which you can score. And so doink points, uh, was one of them where you can, a uh, field goal kicker gets an extra, an additional point every time it hits a crossbar or an upright. Um, but there's plenty of uh, got plenty of good suggestions, including a banger from our uh, fellow editor Mitch Goldish in the column, and so a lot of different ways I think to open up scoring and to fend off um, the homogenized uh, version of sports that we're seeing right now. Yeah, I uh, Connor, I, I want to take your doink points real quick and uh, take your fun idea and make it less fun. <laughs> uh, I want a second set of uprights. I want a a more narrow set of uprights, and you can go for a four-point field goal, because I think there's something to be said for, uh, I mean, look, it, I, I don't know if anyone's going to advocate for, well, first of all, no one's going to advocate for any of these ideas, because they're, they're just not going to happen. Rich McKay is not uh, furiously scribbling in his uh, in his notepad about what we're talking about in the show. They, you know, this is, this is fantasy to an extent, uh, but... No one wants kickers to sort of dominate games, and that's that's uh, that's that's not something anyone's going to advocate for. But uh, if you drive down like inside your opponent's ten yard line, and you end up settling for a field goal, it, I don't know. Should that be worth the same as like you know whatever? You're out of the thirty five, and you kick a field goal. Like there there should be a chance to go for more. And if you're closer, you can kick it through the more narrow uprights and get your get your four points, get more than that half a, a touchdown, theoretically. So would both sets be there the whole game? Yes. So You'd have to call it beforehand. But yes, both sets would be there the whole time. Okay. So then if you were going for the wider set, there's mm-hmm. a possibility of the doink points off of the narrower set. Ooh, maybe mm. we marry the two ideas. Yeah. Then. Just See, a I thought. Think- I think what you do is you have to make the kicker come in before the kick, and there's either two symbols. Either he goes like, mm-hmm. "Oh wait, I turned off." I want you guys to see this. I turned off my camera. I'm really I'm a Zoom pro today, by the way. I've only hung up <laughs> on you guys three times already. But either like you go to the crowd and be like, 
baby goalposts or like big goalposts. And then if you do big goalposts, like the lights start flickering and like Rammstein yes. plays in the stadium and then they like lower them down from the roof and it's like, dan, 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 dan. and then you try to like, <laughs> you try to like make like a field goal <laughs> like that. I would like that. And I, I, I did, that was in there, right? So you have the tiered field goals and, you know, if you narrowed the uprights, you could do like three, four, five, depending on, you know, how deep you are. Um, but I think all this is, you know, obviously it's never going to happen. Um, but I think part of the reason that it's important to suggest is because there are so many bad owners out there that are just constantly making their teams worse. And this is one way to immediately kind of catch them up just a little bit. Like, you know, the examples that I gave in the, um, in the piece were like, you know, let's say you're the, you know, just an awful wandering franchise that hasn't been to the playoffs in forever. And, you know, that you don't really have a lot of options, but like, here's one thing you could do right away, right? You could go to the, you know, the Australian, you know, desert and you could find somebody that can kick a 70 yard field goal, you know, and, and it's worth six points. And that at least keeps you somewhat relevant until you figure the rest of it out. I like that idea because it just um, margin of victory is not on the rise in the NFL, but it's never been within a score. And it's like, I think it's like 10.7 points now, but it's been as high as 13 points in the last five years. So, and that's not fun. Nobody wants to see that. No, I like it. It's just, it's adding volatility. And I think that's what you do. If you were a Jaguars fan last year, I don't know, did you, did you ever enjoy watching your team uh, outside of week one when they somehow beat the Colts? Like it just, you know, it, it, it throws in, some, you know, an air of mystery to each week is, uh, uh, are we going to rack up these doink points or uh, after Jenny sort of posed the question about um, whether the narrow uprights would be up at the same time as the, as the new one. The, the other thing I liked uh, sort of building off Connor's idea of Romstein playing in stadium at every stadium, it's going to be exhausting for them, but uh, uh, you have a, you have like a ceremony where I don't know how it worked mechanically, but I don't know. Someone has like a giant crank and that's how like the narrow uprights come up. So you've, you've signaled, you want the four and then you, you have a, a big ceremony where, where the, the uprights are being cranked up. That's what I'm imagining. That I sounds that. fun. Uh, we should mention, uh, Connor mentioned real quick, Mitch Goldich, developer of the octopus, uh, couldn't be with us today. We, we forgot to invite him. That's why he's not here. But, uh, Mitch's idea, this is, I like this only because it means infinite points. (laughs) You're literally never out of the game. Uh, Mitch, Mitch is Mitch is proposing the the make it take it two point diversion. I love it. I love this. I think it's a great idea, if only because you picture like, you know, some really good offensive team like the Chiefs or whatever, and they just have this one play that just destroys like another team's biggest weakness, and they just keep doing it and like like a very tired Joe Buck like who started this game at 405 and it's like 1030 is like still here in Kansas City uh where Andy Reid you know and like it's like 112 to like you know uh, 21 I I it would just be amazing I would love that but again I think that <clears throat> helps narrow the gap so like 
the example that I gave in the column off of that was, if you're the Detroit Lions, the one thing you have this year is an offensive line. It's like the one thing you're good at, um, theoretically, assuming uh, Panay Sewell is, is what we think he is. And so, you know, you can score from two yards out. You can do that, but, you know, a little bit better than everybody else, probably. And, uh, you know, your offensive coordinator had has a long history with uh, running back position. You know, you, you have a lot of advantages there. But um, and, and that could keep you in some games. I don't know. I just like that idea because I think uh, that bad franchises are about to get really bad and good franchises are about to get really good. And we're going to see like borderline relegation stuff in the NFL here pretty soon. No disrespect to Mitch. I'm not a fan of this idea. And I know it's like a wild out there hypothetical <laughs> anyway, that would never happen. But I actually think it could widen the gap. Because as you said, Connor, if you have a really good team that can just score on the, the same play over and over again, could also lengthen the game, which is something the NFL has been trying to shorten. True, And you could just be stuck in this continuous loop of Patrick Mahomes never missing on a certain play. What if you, it would be the equivalent of one of those like John Isner uh, Wimbledon matches that just go on the fifth set is like uh, 47 to 46 and it just goes on for days. Uh, it, it Patrick Holmes just throwing touchdowns and it's it's like Wednesday afternoon. And it's like, oh, my God, this game is still going. How is this happening? Yeah, it's like an ultra marathon. You, nobody sleeps. <laughs> I think what you could do is. You could say, like, okay, you're doing make it, take it. Uh, all right, well, that's from the 12-yard line or something like that. And yeah. I mean, you can make it extra difficult right. so that it is, uh, you know, maybe instead of a, a 50-50 proposition, it becomes like a 20-80 proposition. And then uh, uh, shame on you if you can't get off the field, <clears throat> Las Vegas Raiders, uh, against <laughs> against Patrick Mahomes. See, again, I love the idea of <clears throat> a team – routinely getting banged at the two yard line because of it because again this stops mediocrity like after that game that defensive coordinator is getting fired because you shouldn't (laughs) be a defensive coordinator if your team is getting beat the beat that bad routinely on the same play like or as or a series of plays from the two yard line now as teddy bridgewater has told us um the panthers don't practice goal line and so some of these teams are going to be less prepared than others for a change like this but <clears throat> i think it's a uh, i think it's a wonderful thing because the more people who aren't prepared and there are lots of coaches in the nfl who are not prepared for games the more chances you are going to have to get your pants pulled down in front of everybody and uh, i think that's a good thing because there's a lot of good coaches that aren't head coaches and deserve to be so that's true i'm uh and to be fair i'm downplaying the e or i'm downplaying the difficulty rather of scoring a two-point conversion it, it is not something that you could do over and over again necessarily. However, if the teams were very mismatched, maybe you could, right? Yeah. I, I, I would estimate that at at most, right? We would probably say, like, I don't know, if we were to have to imagine an in-game record for this hypothetical scenario, I would say five. It would probably be stunning, right? Five consecutive two-point conversions. That would probably be like, I don't know, maybe the NFL record. Yeah. No, I I think that's uh, I think that's about right. I will say it it while picking on the bad teams, it also does give you a chance to to come back if you're down 17 points in the final minute. 
you are still technically not out of it. Right. And if you're watching That's the game, true. you can you can tune in to see if indeed Gardner Minshew can pull off the nine consecutive uh, two point conversions. If he gets to like seven, that would be amazing television. That's and a it's great like, point. ooh, is he going to get? And then they then they fall short because they're tanking, and uh, and that's the way it ends. But that's exactly what I'm saying. Like because I think that you know the three of us are in a unique situation where you know we can always find something enjoyable to watch at the end of a of a bad football game, right? There's always somebody that we're looking at, or you know, a play that we're waiting for, or something like that. But to the lay fan, once it gets up you know, 14 points and it's under five minutes, it it feels like a done deal, you know, because there's no other avenues at this point. The onside kick has been largely ruined. Um, Teams aren't keen on, you know, any sort of alternative fourth down proposals, which I know we'll talk about in a minute. But um, so, yeah, I I don't uh, I I think the more chances a team has to get back in it at the end, I like. Um, And I've heard pushback. um, There are some people in the competition committee who, after they proposed the Alliance of American Football, the fourth and fifteen from your own twenty in, in lieu of an onside kick, um, you know there was a couple of people from the competition committee saying, "Well, that's not fair because it it's it's not fair to the to the other team that played a good three and a half quarters." Well, there's four quarters, you know, like you you have to be good that whole time. I don't I don't understand the argument there. You, you shouldn't get rewarded just because you played a good half of a game. Nobody is re- rewarding the Falcons for twenty eight three. They uh, you know ultimately lost that Super Bowl. Wow, that's just I was slipping say, in that dig there, Connor. Yeah, <laughs> ruining Memorial yeah, Day weekend for Falcons fans. <laughs> exactly. Sorry. Someone just spit out their uh, Mike's hard lemonade <laughs> down there on the uh, the Georgia shoreline. I, I guess I, I I don't really the know Florida the Florida Georgia line. Ooh, it's a plug. Chase Rice was just uh, profiled by uh, Madeline Coleman. Yeah, yeah, good story. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. 
and I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Jenny, please present your uh, your good, terrible idea. My idea is not my idea, Gary. It is the Ravens' idea. We talked about it earlier this offseason, but I think it's an important one to bring up again. It was resoundingly voted down when it was discussed by the owners, which I think was a big mistake. It was a landslide loss for both of the variations of their spot and choose. I think 28 to 4 for the timed one and sudden death version was voted down 30 to two, which I don't really understand because we know that we have a problem with overtime in the NFL. The Ravens statistics show that since 2017 teams that receive the ball have a 58 to 42% advantage. Uh, And in the playoffs since 2010, that's when the modified sudden death was first introduced for the postseason. Receiving teams are nine and one. So the league has long been in search of ideas to make overtime a little bit more even uh, while addressing all of the other concerns, not making the game go on forever and not increasing the health and safety risks. I really like their spot and choose sudden death for that reason. It it would reduce the time, reduce the number of plays for players. But I think both of the proposals are, are really smart. So it's one team gets to choose where to spot the ball, including the orientation of it. And the other team gets to choose whether to play offense or defense. And so it basically evens things out instead of, getting the ball at the minus 25, the ball would likely be spotted in the teens somewhere. And that's kind of the point where it's kind of a push between whether you'd want to be on offense or defense. And it has a good chance of evening things out. So the sudden death proposal would obviously be the team that scores first wins. And then the other one would be a timed seven minute and 30 second period. But I thought it was a creative proposal and 
as Connor and I have discussed often on the Weekside Podcast, <laughs> feels like people are just not receptive to creativity and it takes a long time for good ideas to, to people to come around to good ideas and see them as feasible. Obviously, this was not yet seen as feasible, but in my view, it seemed like a good solution and would definitely make the game better. So I don't actually even think it's a terrible idea, Gary. You know, what, what did you introduce this as? Good, terrible ideas? I think it's just a you, good idea. That's that's uh, that's too much confidence for the show. But, uh, <laughs> I do just, I, I want to, I mean, look, the reason they always shoot down uh, these kinds of proposals is like, the coaches just don't want more things to be second guessed on is, is what it feels like. Like no one wants to, uh, whatever, after you lost in overtime because you, uh, you know, you put the ball on the 14 or whatever. Uh, no one wants to like wake up next day and, and hear, uh, I don't know, the three of us screaming about how dumb it was that you put it on the 14 instead of the 17 and the analytics say this and how can you do it, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's really what it boils down to. I mean, and, and this goes back to like when they brought the two point conversion in, in the nineties. I mean, that's, that's, that, that's what it is. Like they just don't want more decisions to make. Bill, you, uh, uh, Bill, you left some doink points on the board there in the third quarter. Just curious what was going through your mind there. <laughs> so, well, uh, you know, we, we look at all situations and the doink points just didn't seem to be worth it at that point. So next question. I love it. I love it. I don't know. I, I like that. I did, uh, you know, in there I uh, – well, what's your – Gary, what's your good but terrible suggestion? Uh, mine is just really practical. Uh, I'm not going to say it's great. You you can decide whether it's great or not. Uh, I just, I want the kneel down to go away, but I don't want it to completely go away. This is what I want. I want to give teams the option to just say, instead of going out in formation, and, and whether it's end of the first half or end of the game or whatever, just say, we wave this play, take 40 seconds off the clock, uh, and if the other team wants to use a timeout to stop that 40-second runoff, go ahead and do it. And you don't have to do an actual runoff, but uh, it just you know it, it, it just saves a lot of aggravation in the games. But it also brings up the scenario where if you have the automatic kneel down, kind of like the automatic intentional walk in baseball, but if you have the automatic kneel down and you want to really just like needle the opposing team, like Titans-Ravens or something, you say... Uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna wave the down, but we're gonna come out in victory formation anyway and take a knee three times just to troll you, and then just watch the post game fireworks fly at midfield. How about your idea, but completely different? Um, <laughs> how about uh, you lose a point, or you lose a point for kneeling down every time, uh, one point off the scoreboard because it's uh, an unexciting play and, and you should be punished for it. So you have to be up like seven in order to kneel the clock out on your final drive, right? Because you would mm -hmm. want, you know, you would need at least three and then you'd want to keep some padding there because you're going to punt the ball back, whatever it is. Um, you lose a point every time you kneel down. No. And then that way, you know. Could you could you imagine the nightmare for gamblers at the end of these games? <laughs> exactly. You'd never turn it off. You would never, ever, ever turn a game off. There'd be a million reasons to keep it on until the end. And, uh, yeah, you know. And then, you know, if you penalize, uh, you know, a team, uh, a point for uh, kneeling, that goes back and, it, you know, 
uh, you know, because we all know the NFL has problems with kneeling. Ha! Just kidding. Uh, but yeah, that way you uh, you you solved that as well. But that that was a joke. That was good, Connor. That was good. <laughs> it was it was good. Not as good as uh, any of the ideas here. But it was good. <laughs> well, do you remember when Greg Schiano was the head coach of the Buccaneers and yes. he did the aggressive kneel down blitz against the Giants in 2012? I was covering that game and it was a big deal at the time. Uh, I, I remember. The Giants players were frustrated, and he, he he said he'd used it at Rutgers, and that they had resulted in forcing that that had resulted in forcing several fumbles. So he thought he would use it in the NFL, and the Giants players, meanwhile, thought it was just beyond the pale, not something that has any place in this game. Uh, high risk, low reward type of play. I do remember that, and I remember wondering how much success he actually had at Rutgers with that, because I would guess we would have heard about it quite a bit, <laughs> right? right? He like, claimed at did... the time that he had his team had forced four fumbles using the aggressive kneel down at Rutgers, but you also have to think about the fact that it's a different level of competition. Who were those fumbles against? It's not going against a, a pro center and quarterback, right? There's a lot of different factors there. I think uh, I think that claim was in need of a fact check. Yeah, but, uh, and I, I can't but remember. I mean, maybe it was fact checked at the time. It seems like if anyone would have been in position to fact check at Connor, the Star Ledger, with Rutgers beat writers, True. should have been able to pull that up. So I'm trying to remember. This is a decade ago, and I don't have a clear memory of this. Someone but, get Tom Lucci on the yeah. phone. <laughs> All I know is Rutgers had a rivalry going with UConn back then, which is a uh, which is about the level of competition that they were uh, that they were in in the Big East. All right, guys, this is a first for the Monday show. The Oracle is making its way over. We, uh, I, I want to apologize, but I also don't want to apologize because sometimes things are just out of your control. Uh, we did a little Julio Jones segment last week, and after we did it, uh, I don't know, it was like five minutes after the episode came out, uh, the Julio Jones and Shannon Sharp talking the air and all that stuff, and it sort of settled some of the things we discussed on the show. So as sort of a... Uh, non-apology, but let us make this up to you act. We are going to bring in the Oracle, and we are going to talk about Julio Jones' landing spots. Ooh. Um, I think that... <clears throat> I think it's got to be one of a few teams, right? It has to be uh, the Patriots. It has to be uh, the Packers. Uh, it has to be the Raiders. Or it has to be the Chiefs. I think any of the... And the Chiefs weren't on my initial Julio Jones landing spots post. um, But I've started to like that idea a lot more as it's gone on. It seems like if he would be willing to redo a contract to go somewhere, it might be a place like Kansas City where he's going to light it up and and, and play with the best quarterback in the NFL. But um, yeah, I I, I, I think it's... It's got to be one of those teams like, you know, everyone's kind of saying, well, he, he should go to Tennessee or San Francisco and play in one of those uh, Kyle Shanahan offenses. But I don't think he necessarily fits that offense as much anymore. Like he's still great. 
right? But the way that those offenses work now, like that number one X receiver, like really isn't what he is, you know, and, and he could fit on the other side of the ball, obviously. But all those other places, like I think that, you know, those quarterbacks are good enough to just get him the ball or the system is good enough to just get him the ball with a little bit of open space. And, 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 and I don't know if you have Mac Jones and you're trying to break him in one of the best contested catch wide receivers in NFL history is probably a nice uh, addition there. So that, that would be my short list. But if I had to make an Oracle prediction on one of them, I, I would say the Patriots. All right. I would have loved to see the 49ers, uh, the issue is they they just they they don't have draft capital at this point. They they already traded their one and their three next year, so uh, you rule that out. I can I can live with the Titans. I can live with the Patriots too. It's just if you uh, you being Julio Jones, I guess, and if Julio Jones ever wants to call this show, uh, we'll send him our taping schedule. We do pre-tape it as a podcast. It's not Julio, live. we'll let you know you're actually on a podcast. There you go. You can you can do second or third takes as we do constantly. The show actually takes six hours to tape, uh, and then and then poor uh, Shelby Royston has to cut it down to it's uh, it's thirty five minutes. But uh, if you are Julio Jones and you want to win, how do you go anywhere but Kansas City at this point? It just doesn't really make sense. Or or Green Bay, but obviously they they have other things they're sorting through. Is in that Green right? Bay. Uh, how do they how do they replace Tim Boyle and and we'll see how it goes but yeah the the Chiefs so you're going with the Patriots as your oracle not the Chiefs Connor I'm going with the Patriots but mm-hmm. I, every every minute of every day I'm liking the Chiefs more <laughs> as an option you know yeah um, you know I think that the Patriots have the willingness and I mean. If you're Bill Belichick, you know, I understand that the market is the market each and every year, but how do you justify spending a second round pick on Mohamed Sanu and not on Julio Jones when he's available? You know, and you're still theoretically almost as desperate for wide receiving talent as you were back then. Yeah, it does seem like, as we discussed earlier, I think a lot of the headlines out there have been trying to stoke the market a little bit, which is interesting. Yeah, I would say that. This has been the most hilariously negotiated through the media trade that I can remember in modern NFL history. Like it was like um, if you follow like the wave of reports, it's like, well, OK, he's available. And then it's like, yeah, we kind of want to give him to like an NF or a team in the AFC. And then it was like, oh, well, uh, maybe a second round pick and then like a mid round pick could get him. And then I just saw today, uh, I think it was Diana Rossini from ESPN was like, oh, well, we, we've gotten a one. Somebody offered a one. Like if anyone wants to offer anything else and like it's like, OK, like we, you know, yeah, it's, at some point, like, you know, we, we know what you're doing. So it means that you're not really getting what you want or else this thing would have been done by now. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's the fact that it's dragging means that the market doesn't meet the desired price. But at some point, since it seems like both sides are resolved to move on, you figure it'll get done in the next couple weeks. Well, we'll find out and we'll see if the Oracle comes true. Is that do I term it that way? Well, how does this work? Yeah, so so since since you're kind of new to this, the Oracle is always right. So it's just not, you know, that's, that's it. So it, once I say it, it happens. So we, do, okay. we just don't have to worry about it then. That's kind of and how it goes. 
and we just cut the audio and end the show. Right. Then. It, exactly. Yeah. All it's right. like the it's the la- it's like the last episode of Sopranos. You just it just fades to black. So. And if it doesn't <laughs> happen in this time period, it's maybe happening in a parallel universe. Yes. So exactly. somewhere in the multiverse. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So and uh, again, I, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I just have a hard time keeping my universes straight. Right. So. It's, he's got this gift, and it's sometimes so powerful that it can <laughs> see things that happen in other universes. Gary. Man, this is such a good Christopher Nolan movie. Bad All right, podcast guys. Inception. <laughs> we have we have June and July and August to get through. Lots of preview stuff coming up on this show. Uh, but that's it. I mean, happy end of May. Happy Memorial Day. And I hope everyone had a great weekend. And we will see you next week. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is Jenny Brentis, Connor Orr, and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Mark Mravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB, and Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To to start listening.